Well, good morning. Good morning again. Good morning again. I'm still, still John, still a member of the ministry team here at the Transit. And it's definitely my pleasure to be able to share the word with you on this first Sunday of the new year this morning. So if you would, please bow with me in prayer. Father, thank you that we can gather here today in your name. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Father, thank you that you came to us while we were still sinners, Lord God, and made a way for us to be restored to you. So, Father, this morning, just ask that by your spirit that you would uh, give us ears to hear, Lord God, that you would give us the ability to to understand uh, the message that you have for each one of us as individuals today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I've been in the, the Army now for 17 years, uh, and, and it's, been, it's been a good time. It's, a, it's been a good ride. I don't really plan on stopping anytime soon, but we'll see what happens. But anyway, in the Army, there's a, there's a whole lot of different little sayings. The Army is all about stories and, and one-liners. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a good time, though. And, and one saying that we have in the Army is that the Army can take the fun out of anything. The army can take the fun out of anything. I mean, it, think about it. If this, if, this makes you, if this makes you go, if this kind of stuff motivates you, think about it. You know, it motivates me. When I was a little kid, I'd run around the woods, play war, do all this stuff. You know, we're, we're jumping in creeks, ruining toys, ruining clothes, coming home muddy, pretending to blow stuff up and all these other different things. But then I joined the army and actually got a paycheck to learn how to blow stuff up, jump out of airplanes, do all this stuff that, you know, the, the, the young boy in me wanted to do, but all of a sudden it wasn't, it wasn't quite as fun as, as I would think that it would be. But what that's really saying is that the Army can take some things that are maybe simple, fun, enjoyable, and make it just a little more complicated. Jumping out of planes should be really, really fun, and I think in some spots in the Army it probably is. But me, I was in the 82nd for for six years, and to do this, this one little jump that's, you know, I don't know, 10 seconds or whatever of descent under a parachute takes like 10 hours of, of preparation beforehand, then takes another five or six hours of shaking shoots and stuff afterwards. I don't know. So it's, it's just something that happens. And over my years as a Christian, I've seen that the church can, can do a little bit of that as well. Not really take the fun out of things, but make, make things maybe a little more complicated, especially when it comes to holidays. So we just got done celebrating Christmas. So that's one that when I was young, I knew exactly what Christmas was about. Christmas was about picking out toys out of the Montgomery Ward catalog, good food, uh, cheesy music, Frosty the Snowman and, and, and all that stuff on TV. Yeah. You know, I like to I like to do all that stuff. Um, but then I became a Christian, you know, and then there's the trees and all this stuff, all this kind of symbolism that is maybe has a, 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 an origin that's that's outside of the intent of Christ's birth. You know, so so what do we do at Christmas? You know, how how do how do we celebrate at Christmas? Um, it becomes a point of contention. And then there's there's Easter, you know, Easter with the. The bunny that I don't know if he just lays eggs or if he carries eggs. I'm really not sure about that. But, you know, that becomes 
a, a little bit a little bit strange as well because what we're looking towards there is is Christ and his resurrection. So things get a little bit more more complicated. And then you may have also observed that, th- that this time of year, the new year, gets a little bit weird as well. Um, because what do we do with, with the new year? The modern new year, it, you know, about the, the, the ball dropping and the shows on TV and all those things, is there a significance there? And some of the origin of, of the new year, it used to be at the spring equinox. So it was a time when you can start to get ready to plant fields and get ready for that, that coming year, which is also a pagan orientation. Or when it was moved to the beginning of January, the month named for Janus, the god of gates that has the two faces, one looking forward, one looking back. And again, another origin that's outside of, of the Christian tradition. Although there are some... Christian backgrounds to both of those dates. In March, the, the church originally celebrated that as the Annunciation of the coming of Christ. So that was when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said that you were going to conceive and have a child. And then January, Christmas was, you know, from the first, was eight days back from the first. So in the Jewish tradition, on the eighth day, the male child was circumcised. So there was another significance to that date that is with inside the calendar of the church. But because of the pagan roots, sometimes we tend to throw out the, the baby with the bath water and we're kind of, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. You know, we're not going to participate in, in some of these things. We're not going to recognize these days. And one of the first things that we throw out along with the baby and the bath water is the New Year's resolution. We look at New Year's resolutions and how do we deal with that. In some Christian circles, and for some reason, the New Year's resolution is looked at something that's a waste of time or it's non-spiritual or maybe even evil or some combination of all three of those things. Now, dealing with the first one, that it's a waste of time, that's kind of that's code for I joined a gym last year to get in shape. I went for the first two weeks. And then I was locked into this contract and never went back to the gym. Uh, But I did read an article on Facebook that says because of those people, the people who do stay in the gym get their membership subsidized. So keep doing what you're doing. All right. Keep doing what you're doing. But but there is, you know, what do we do with with this New Year's resolution? Um, and, And is it right or is it wrong? Who knows? But if we read in the Bible and just kind of understand uh, what, what's there. I believe that God is sending us a different message, maybe not about a New Year's resolution in particular, but about the idea of resolution itself. God is te- I would say God is telling us to join the resolution, to actually join the resolution. You can take a look in your Bibles or up here on the screen. I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. Now, when he, talking about Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. 
And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And we talked about that during the Advent, Advent series. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is Matthew's record of the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Matthew captures what's at the core of Jesus' message by sharing with us that, that simple quote, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus begins his ministry by calling people to a resolution. Let's look at some, some definitions for resolution to see kind of where, where I'm coming from this morning. So the first definition, resolution. The act or process of resolving as the act of determining. So it's the act or process of resolving. So what's it mean to resolve? Resolve, the process, the progress from dissonance to connaissance to reach a firm decision about. Now, there were other definitions out there. I'm going to admit that. But I was like, I can't pass up the chance to use dissonance and connaissance. You know, it, it just makes me sound like really smart or whatever, you know. So after I looked up what both of those actually mean as well, um, you know, dissonance is, is having that, that varying opinion. You haven't settled on the matter and connaissance is arriving at the decision. So, you know, to reach a firm decision. And then looking again at, the, at, the, at decide, the next definition, to decide to make a final choice or judgment. So it starts to take shape. And then number four is repent, which was Jesus' message. Repent means to turn around or change one's mind. So with that statement, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is saying, make a decision. Make a decision right now because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as I go through this ministry, I'm going to explain to you and, and illustrate that the kingdom is coming and that you have a decision to make. Jesus calls people to decide to change direction instead of following their own ways or instead of following the ways of man, repent and follow God. We see a clear example of this when Joshua challenges the Israelites once they take possession of the promised land. In Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, <clears throat> this is Joshua speaking. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods, of your put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your, that your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In a similar fashion that Jesus would do later on, Joshua is challenging the Israelites. And Jesus, he challenged the Jews. And it's the same challenge that people, whether believers or not, whether Christians or not, it's the same challenge that we face today, and that is, how are we going to respond to God? How are we going to do that? How, there's, there's something out there. How are we going to deal with it? Are we going to follow? Are we going to believe but go our own way? Are we going to not believe? There's all these, these different decisions, and rebirth and regeneration, the core of the Christian religion, 
is, is about an act of resolution. It's about making a decision, and we can clearly see that in the Bible in what some will recognize as, as the Romans road. The Romans road to salvation kind of gives us that summary of that story, that summary of the gospel. <clears throat> so starting in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, Paul writes, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, Altogether, they have become worthless. No one is good, not even one. So that is the foundation. And we continue on to Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But that's not the end of things. There's good news in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Something that, that Joseph included in his prayer this morning, that while we were in that state of being worthless, God put worth on us by sending his son to die. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, as well as 13 gets at the decision. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we see in, in Paul's letter and through those verses that our initial condition is in sin. And the consequences of that condition, rightfully, are death. And God's solution to our problem is Christ. And we become part of the solution or, or are, are protected or reborn by a decision. God doesn't come in and, and swipe down on us, take control of our minds. There's a, a decision there. Everything is in place. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that those who believe in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the great hope that we have in Jesus that we looked at during the Advent series and, and at Christmas. However, the reality is that Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection give us the opportunity to choose Give us the opportunity to choose. There's still a participation that's required on our part. Again, God is, is telling each of us, each of you, that you must join the resolution. And we do that, we can do that in, in three ways that I want to talk about through response, reflect, and reorient. That's how we, that's how we want to, to join God's to make that resolution to join with God, respond, reflect, and reorient. Uh, a little while back, we went through a series in Colossians, which I think is a, a very uh, practical, easy to understand uh, way for us to see how we can respond, reflect, and reorient. So starting in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, If you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds 
on things that are above, not on things on the earth. So the first step is to be raised with Christ. We make that that acceptance that, yes, that offer that you made, I, I want to receive that. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior through faith, through that confession that Paul was writing about in Romans. And this is the beginning of your new life as a child of God. That's what it's the it's a beginning. It puts us in position. And you can now see your old life for what it was as you begin to reflect, as you begin to to reflect. Colossians going down to five through eight. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is hard to say, which is idolatry. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but you must now put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So as we respond, as we become that, that new child, now we're able to go back and look at some of the things that we're actually doing in our lives and go a different way. To some degree, this is where, that's where we all start from. We all start from, from some of these, these different things that are, that are within us that are not of God and at times even opposed to God. But not all of us are all of these things. Not all of us are all these, all these things at once. And if we have some of these things in our heart, it doesn't mean that they have to be to the very worst levels either. You know, we can have varying degrees of, of where we're at with these things before we really accept Christ. But regardless of where you think you are, ultimately, you have to reorient. Ultimately, you have to reorient from that direction and go in a different way. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Reflection, kind of looking at our old life, reorientation, looking towards a new life with God, these are some of the, this is where some of the more familiar types of resolutions come into play. Some of the stuff that, that we're used to, some of the stuff that, you know, I think, I think is good. But at times we, we shy away from it as well. Uh, some of the things that maybe we do class as, as a waste of time or, you know, I've made resolutions and I don't keep them and things like that. But, but these are important. So one of the traditional ones. Improving relationships. Maybe I want to be closer to my parents, siblings, uh, treat friends in a different way, what have you. This is exactly what Paul was talking about in Colossians. You know, putting away the obscene talk, putting on kindness, humility, all these things. That is relational. That's something that you can't really do in a vacuum. You can't really do that by, by yourself. That has to do with other people. So, it is, you know, this is Paul's encouragement to say, live your lives a different way among those that you come into contact with. Some other ones, reading the Bible, praying, studying, attending, attending church, community groups. These are the things that, that build faith. You know, I'm going to start a yearly Bible reading plan or something like that. Um, again, 
These are, are ways that we practically engage in making these, these resolutions, these changes, evaluating our life. Quitting smoking, eating right, exercising, changing spending habits. Sometimes we chalk those up as, world, as worldly, but in essence, those are also related to stewardship. Stewardship of, of our money, stewardship of the body, the temple of God that God has, has provided to us. So these things aren't, aren't bad. These aren't things that we need to avoid. They're not things that we need to be ashamed of when we look back at our life and say, well, that's just not... If I, if I change the, my, my eating out habits or whatever, that has nothing to do with faith. That has nothing to do with God. It really does. Our lives, we're not living these, these separate lives. Um, it's all one. What we have to keep in mind is that these types of goals, they're not an end in themselves. They're not the ultimate. It's not ultimate for me to, to lose some amount of weight. And then, then I'll be there. Then I'll be happy. Then I have arrived. Um, that's not the case. But some of these are an outward expression of the inward reality that we want to, to live for God. So I encourage you not to, to back away from, from those things quite as easily. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes another you know, pretty, pretty popular verse. I can do... Religious things through Christ who gives me strength. Well, wait a minute. I can do spiritual things through Christ who gives me strength. Not yet. I can do things that have to do with church through Christ who gives me strength. Not yet. Okay. I can do all things. Through Christ, who gives me strength. All things. That's, when, when Paul was writing that, he was writing uh, specifically about the persecutions that, that he suffered as he was delivering the gospel throughout the, the, the region where his ministry was. But Christ isn't looking to only affect certain parts of our life. He's looking to... to be involved in all parts of our lives. And he gives us strength to live out those parts that, at least on the surface, don't completely look like they have a lot to do with him. So we don't have to, to be afraid or feel like we're, we're, we've missed the mark or something like that when we look at physical changes in our, in our life or things that are happening right here and want to go in a different direction. Again, that initial rebirth, that initial receiving of Christ as Lord and Savior, that, that's a beginning. That's even not the end. It's not to say, okay, Christ, you're my Lord and Savior, and then I'm going to go through the rest of my life kind of doing the best I can, and then I'll be with you in heaven someday later. You know, in, in between that rebirth and ultimately being with God, there's a life of some length to live in between there. That, that Christ can be involved in all of that. And God is constantly calling us to make choices, constantly to make decisions, and constantly to make small or large resolutions. And then some, some argue that you shouldn't wait till the new year 
to make changes. The new year shouldn't be some big event where I go and reflect on everything that I did the year before and make changes. True. You know, that's true. Because at times that becomes, that becomes a crutch. And just in my own life, I'll admit it, you know. Once, uh, not really Thanksgiving. Um, at Thanksgiving, I can control myself somewhat. You know, we've got a little time. But as we get closer to the holidays, and especially if we go home to Ohio, uh, I've been known to indulge in the, in the chocolate and, and the sweet things and, you know, eat a couple different dinners, you know, go into hobbit mode and have, you know, seven meals per day. Um, it happens. And I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll get right on the first. I'll get right on the first. Unless the first is on the weekend. And then I'm like, hey, I'll get right on whatever Monday is. Um, so for this year, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get right to, uh, tomorrow. All right. Um, so, you know, we, we, for a lot of changes in our lives, we shouldn't wait till the new year. But you know what? If we're not doing what we should, let's at least do what we can. If this is a time when we naturally, naturally reflect back and start to make some changes, let's, let's at least do that rather than say, well, eh, it's a waste of time. You know, I should be doing this all year, so I'm not going to do it at all. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't even make sense. If a New Year's resolution is a waste of time, if looking back at this time of the year is a waste, when, when do we look back? Because, again, you know, I have to admit, I don't necessarily spend a lot of time at this level of reflection throughout the year. You know, I try to set, try to set the year on course and um, will usually look back and change, change my life whenever... My wife's not talking to me. You know, then I got to figure out, what did I do? What's going on? And, and I will be, if no one else will admit it, I'll be the one to admit that I'm usually, I'm, I am usually in the wrong. So it, it's good to have somebody to, to steer me back into the right. So I would argue that whether, that we either join the resolution, we either live our lives by responding to God reflecting on where we've been and setting a reorientation on where we want to go, or we, saw, we slide back into the place where we came from. Life isn't static. We're always moving in some direction. There's, there's not a, a point at which we're good. We're good. All I got to do is maintain from here until that day, and everything's good. If we're not moving forward, we're moving back. You know, gravity is constantly drawing us somewhere. So, so we have to, we have to reflect. We have to reorient constantly in order to keep going into the direction that we want to go. So with that in mind, I want to leave you with a thought that, that came to me on New Year's Day. I was going through my morning routine uh, you know, getting up, brushing the teeth, doing all that stuff, and then I, I, have to check, I have to check the news every morning. I know some of you are probably Fox News. Some of you are probably MSNBC, CNN, local news, whatever. Me, I'm Facebook. I'm checking the, the news feed uh, to see what's going on, because if it's on Facebook, it's got to be true, right? 
But anyway, so while I'm looking at, at Facebook, I came across a, a suggestion for a New Year's resolution from a friend of mine, uh, an, another chaplain named Ron Fisher, who's down in Florida right now. And I'll just, rather than paraphrase it, I'll just kind of quote what he, what he wrote. This year, why not resolve to reconcile estranged relationships? To forgive that person, spouse, parent, child, pastor, neighbor, priest, or long lost friend? Why not resolve to live the truth as you know it right now, trusting, in the, Holy, trusting the Holy Spirit to direct the course of your life and devotion? Why not resolve to pursue holiness and service to others? Why not resolve to resist the status quo of the world and the church and to rebel against all that would attempt to rob you of your peace in Christ? This year, why not resolve to more fully surrender your life to Jesus? Properly footnoted. I sent him a message. I said, hey, I'm going to use your quote in my sermon. And I'm going to give you credit for it. All right. So, you know, this whole thing in, in seminary, the, the only thing that they talk about almost as much as God and Jesus in seminary is plagiarism. You know, it's a big deal. You got to sign these statements with all your papers and all that stuff. So Ron Fisher, a very good chaplain that I met at the, uh, at the cemetery. But it's the same thing that, I, that, I've been, that I've been getting at. And that is that no one, no one owns what you can do with that New Year's resolution. It doesn't have to be something frivolous. In this time of reflection, when the TV channels are showing years in review and magazines are coming out with their years in review and, you know, Facebook's doing the year year thing, which I've found out is not cool um, to, to post that on your wall after I did it and was scolded. Um, why not capitalize on this time to set the course of what our year is going to be, to look at it as something that we can do for Christ, something that we can do to change the tenor of the relationship, something that we can do to, to steward well the things that we've been blessed with. Every, everyone has to decide what that looks like for you. All of our particular contexts are a little bit different. But the call to me is clear that God wants us to join the resolution. Please bow with me in prayer. Father, again, we do thank you that while we were sinners, that you did send your son Christ to die for us, Lord God, that we could be reconciled to you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you come to us clearly and give us the decision, Lord God, to, to join you in what you're doing on the earth, Lord God, and by your grace, we'll have a chance to worship you in eternity. So, Father, we do just ask, Lord, that you would help us to see where you would have us to go, Lord God. And not only that, but that you would give us the heart to want to do it and the courage to follow through, Lord God. And as we need to make adjustments, give us the wisdom the understanding, the knowledge, and the will to make those changes, to continue to follow you, Lord God, as you lead, that we can go where you are going. 
And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.